Hola y bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes y presidente de esa mejor cerveza. No abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill Clark not with us this morning, but he was with us last night. Miguelito San Diegoito. I don't know where the fuck he is. Regardless, though, we come on here each and every single morning with our 100 pence fingers. And we not only salute our boys, but we salute each and every one of you. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It is as simple as that. A very pleasant good morning to you on this, the 17th day of January. 2024 and let's not forget our title sponsor like i did last night bet online the number one online gambling destination you can get all the latest odds scores news and predictions at bet online and don't forget to sign up and when you do Type in the promo code BLEAV, capital B L E A V, to get 50% off your first deposit. Bet online, the home of degenerates everywhere. And KT Tape, yup, you see the QR code in the upper right hand corner, my left hand corner. Hit the QR code, get yourself some tape basically how it works you put the tape on it lifts up the skin promotes blood flow to the area decreases inflammation and alleviates pain kt tape deflaming muscles since its creation i actually kind of made up that tagline lastly here let's not forget about our guy jory over at verge oh looking forward to this right now this is a shot of lemon, ginger, and cannabis. This is uh, a sustained high that we're looking for, not this quick shot of energy that all of a sudden goes away. This isn't five-hour energy. This is Verge. So, cheers. Mm. Always soothing on the throat okay send a daily hustle email out the, this morning i want to see if it came because i scheduled it last night sometimes you sometimes me is the title of this one buenos dias today is wooden wednesday january 17 2024 daily hustle quote of the day sometimes you sometimes me Always us. UCLA women's basketball mantra as described by head coach Corey Close. Daily Hustle translation. UCLA women's hoops team is off to a 14-1 start. And by the way, they were 14-0. They lost to USC the other night. Uh, and some would argue that the philosophy behind their game is a big reason why. On the greatest teams that I have ever been a part of, it's never one individual who carries the weight of the entire team, but rather 
it is the strength and capabilities of the depth of their roster that ultimately determine that ultimately determines the team's success. When we have a squad full of different players where anybody is capable of stepping up at any time, it alleviates the pressure from any one individual and allows the entire team to play free and fearless, knowing that if for whatever reason they fail to get the job done, the next person will. Of all the John Wooden golden nuggets of wisdom he left us, this one certainly would fit right in. That said, I'm pretty sure Coach Wooden is looking down upon Coach Corey Close and the Westwood women hoopsters, incredibly proud of their play on the hardwood. But way more importantly, he would be extremely proud of the overall team philosophical approach they will undoubtedly be able to carry with them for the rest of their lives. EBPS to pick up a limited edition copy of the brand new Let Them Play book. Click the pick below. There is the pick below. Go to ericburns.com to pick that up. Okay, so essentially, the sometimes you, or sometimes me, sometimes you, always us approach. I love it because it lets us all know and understand that we don't always have to be the star. And sometimes it's not going to be us. And that's okay. The question becomes, what are we going to do in our support role? So, you know, I look back and I think about the Moneyball team, by the way. And I met Robert Nympho the other day. A really cool guy out in Mammoth. And this is a guy that played me on Moneyball. I posted a pic on uh, IG Storytime of the two of us. But that Moneyball team was special because it truly was anybody, anytime. Now, you had Miguel Tejada, who came up so huge through the course of it. But obviously, you had the big three with Hudson, Boulder, Zito. What people don't remember about that run is that Corey Lytle was our best pitcher. Double sky point to our dude. But everybody contributed. I think I ended up playing... In 19 out of the 20 games that we won in a row, yet I only started one of them. And from my perspective, it was, hey, look, even if I don't have a huge role, I have a fucking role and I have a job to do. So to come in late in the games and play defense for David Justice or to get a pinch hit against a left-hander in that situation or get a spot start here or there, I had to be ready for that role. And I could tell you from coaching the Let Them Play organization, you're only as good as the depth of your roster. So it's the same reason why the Angels haven't won. They've had the two best players in baseball over the, the course of the past, what, six years? Yet still, even with the two best players in baseball, they haven't done shit. Well, you're only as good as your weakest link. And if you happen to be the weakest link on a great team, understand there are no weak links. It's just not how it is. It's not how these great teams are 
constructed. Okay, the life optimization <laughs> uh, article of today. This is a good one. How to get the most out of your anger. That's right. How to get the absolute most out of your anger. The story is loading right now. And now it says it's unavailable. I don't even believe it. Let's try it from the phone. It's really interesting because I do know people in my life, and this is why I want to bring it up, but I know people that actually figure out how to let their anger work for them. And they use it as motivation. And ultimately, it really helps. But I also do know people that get angry and then it turns into a spiral downhill. So here it is. The article is uh, on Vox and it's by Ali Volpe. Anger is misunderstood, unjust, maligned as a wholly negative emotion. Anger contains multitudes. It can be both blinding yet clarifying, suffocating yet motivating. Anger serves as an internal alarm calling attention to an unfairness or a wrong that needs writing, says psychologist Ryan Martin, author of How to Deal with Angry People and Why We Get Mad, How to Use Your Anger for Positive Change. That's what I want to read. We experience anger both the moment an offense occurs and in every instance we recall the event thereafter. People are the root cause of anger. Everyone from romantic partners to leaders and foreign governments and even ourselves can make our blood boil. The way anger manifests varies too. Anger is a punch, a scream, a red face, a silent broad, a river of tears. Anger is selfish, road rage and selfless, protesting a war halfway around the world. This prickling, burning emotion, which can range from moderate irritation to complete rage, energizes us to come face-to-face with the wrongdoers, Martin says. Huh. When we're angry, our sympathetic nervous system activates our fight-or-flight response. So, our heart rate increasing, our breathing increasing, and so on. That's all a way to essentially give us the energy We need to fight back. Sometimes this motivating drive can lead to inappropriate actions, yelling profanities at the guy who cut us off in traffic, lashing out at a customer service representative, leaving passive-aggressive notes for our loud neighbors, seeking revenge against a friend who hurt us. Other times, we may repress anger and stew in silence. Anger can morph into despair that a problem is so profound, the only solution is more outrage. The consequences of unproductive anger can be damaging to personal relationships and professional reputations and dangerous to those against whom revenge is sought. Most people are reporting feeling angry anywhere from once a day to a few times a week. Those experience anger more often or so intensely that it's distracting or interfering with their work and relationships may have an increased risk of heart attack, stroke, hypertension, high blood pressure, changes in heart rate, 
and metabolism, muscle, and respiratory problems. This is where anger hurts, hurts us, obviously. I mean, if you, if you are constantly getting upset, the blood pressure's rising, the heart rate's rising, and not in a good way. The stress levels, the hormones that are associated with that, no bueno. Okay, it says anger is motivating but misleading. Am it an infuriating moment? Or when recalling an infuriating moment, you may be stuck with a sense of certainty. Anger tells you that quitting your job is the appropriate way to deal with a work spat or that telling your neighbor what you really think of them will get them to clean up after their dog. It gives a sense of things are knowable, Lerner says. The problem is that a false sense of certainty and clarity, the unfounded confidence can lead to hasty, risky decisions and potentially mistakes when in reality you haven't considered the alternatives. It says use anger for problem solving. When you have an accurate assessment of why you're angry, you can plan to ensure the injustice, injustice is rectified. It is often really important not to ignore the anger, Lerner says, but to name it and claim it in some way. Instead of making a rash decision or stuffing down the irritation in the heat of the moment, write down all the reasons you're mad and what you'd like to do in response. In one column list, the ways anger can help you. And in another, describe how some of these reactions could be counterproductive. That's a very productive way to deal with it. For anger stemming from less personal offenses like systematic or global injustices, consider the most constructive ways you can make an impact. Even the most existential and faraway anger inducing events can inspire local reactions like reaching out to an elected official attending a protest or donating to a charitable organization parrot says in the case of climate change for example how can your skills and passions be best put to use in your community the healthy response is to figure out what are the little things i control here even if they're small and then take action all right it says take time to cool off before acting don't act on this anger action list while in the thors of intense emotion review your docket of actions a day later to see what issues can be mitigated in a more balanced way rope in a natural third party who can point out whether you're justified in your anger in the first place and suggest other appropriate courses of action. All right. So the bottom line is, look, we all get angry. It's a natural reaction, right? What can we do about it? I don't I got upset last night. I did. Like, I, I don't know if angry is the right word, but. I was frustrated. Biscuit and I had the Valer pickleball paddles out. And we had the pickleball going on the ping pong table. It's actually kind of fun. So it's boom, 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 whatever. Well, we want to get to 100. So 
uh, one of the problems was that we only had like 10 minutes to do it. And for the first five minutes, as we're going back and forth, then we get to like 15, 20. Dude was like this, like, as he's hitting his backhands or messing around with the forehands and I'm hitting them back. And that's, you know, they're going to the net and some of them were my fault. So I'm like, look, dude, there's only so much in life that we can control. There really is. Keeping our strokes short, that, 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 that. So we could get to 100 before 10 o'clock strikes. And Bobby comes out here and it's like, it's over. I need your focus, man. And he kind of like rolls the eyes. The next, you know, pop, 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 pop. We get 100. No problem. I think it was like 104. But I think a lot of it, really, when it comes to dealing with anger, is figuring out patience. And then once we recognize it and we understand it, I actually know people in my life that they use anger as fuel and they use it as motivation. I don't know if I'm that way. Maybe I am a little bit. I think it's always good to laugh, smile, joke in the face of adversity and in the face of anger as well. All right, let's hit a couple of these top stories and I got to roll. Peanut is racing this morning. She's a high school varsity athlete. That's right. Um, racing over at Alpine Meadows, which I know this sounds really fucked up right here, but if you haven't watched the documentary Buried, oh, jeez, man. Holy shit. It is so good. It's on Netflix. If you live in Northern California, it's sort of a must-see. But it's about the 1982 avalanche that happened at Alpine Meadows. And so when I drive in there in about 45 minutes and you go down that road, that single road in, that single road out, I mean, the, the avalanche basically came down and wiped out the main lodge. There were seven people buried under there. And actually, I think there were eight. They'd lost seven. And one, a woman by the name of Anna, ended up surviving. And this story gets even better because I was playing pickleball in Mammoth this past weekend. And I was talking to one of the guys there. It's like, hey, where are you from? I thought, oh, Truckee, this and that. And he goes, hey, uh, he actually brought up the, the squaw avalanche. And he's like, hey, I'm sorry to hear that you guys lost one of your community members. I said, yeah, bro, this is, you know, obviously pretty jacked up. And that's you know, the nature of the beast, living in the mountains, whatever. But he then proceeded to tell me that Anna, who survived under the snow for five days, was a resident of Mammoth. And he knew her really well. It's like, oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she lost a leg, but no, she's still super active. And I was taken aback. So it's going to be the first time I've been to Alpine Meadows uh, since watching that movie. But, you know, look, I, it, I don't think this stuff's meant to scare people. But we'd be ignorant if we didn't learn and try to learn from all of it and take all the necessary precautions we can going forward. Okay, Jason Kelsey has basically announced his retirement. And everybody knows him as um, all pro lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
But in the baseball world, he is widely recognized as the ultimate Phillies hype man. There's an article here. It says, before Jason Kelsey chugged a beer in front of the Fanatic and a sellout crowd during Game 3 of the 2022 NLCS, he shot a hype video in the conference room just behind the Hall of Fame club at Simpsons Park. Kelsey, who attended Game 1 of the 2023 NLCS with his brother Travis, hollered. He cursed and he gesticulated. He nailed it. Kelsey's video came to mind this week when the Eagles season ending Monday and Kelsey reportedly telling teammates he plans to retire. It came to mind because nothing at the bank gets a reaction from Phillies fans like Kelsey appearing on the Fanavision and him telling fans to lose their minds, which they do every time. It is the Phillies best hype video. It is almost certainly one of the best in all of baseball. He really connects with the city. Phillies video production director, Sean Rainey said, it's pretty cool to see how excited the fans get before game three, the Phillies video production team, including video content manager, Mike listen and video producer, Emily Rutzen brought Kelsey into the conference room that sits between the baseball operations and many of the front offices, vice presidents. Kelsey stood in front of a green screen wearing a red pinstripe Phillies jersey. The crew gave him an idea of what they wanted. He nodded action, and Kelsey just took it from there. Quote, if you were standing anywhere nearby, you would have heard him, Rainey said. He was fantastic. We just said, Jason, we want you to pump up the crowd. We asked him if it was if he was comfortable cursing, telling him that we'd bleep it out, and he was more than comfortable. Kelsey's video gets a more visceral reaction from fans than others, including the ones that Brian Dawkins, Dawkins Charles Barkley, uh, Rob McClenaghenny, and Caitlin Olson recorded in the past. The folks in this Fana Vision booth realized this immediately. They started to save Kelsey's video for big moments in big games. Phillies players recognized Kelsey's positive influence on fans, too. They wondered during a game last season why Fanavision did not play Kelsey earlier in what they considered to be the game's most critical moment. In other words, they want the Phillies to deploy Kelsey when he needs to be deployed, even if it's the fifth or sixth inning. Don't wait. We love it, Rainey said. It's funny because anytime we're down and you want to get the fans fired up, you always want to go to that, but you know you can't. You've got to save it. I don't know. It's kind of like bringing the closer in where if you have the most critical moment of the game, we're in the fifth inning, we're down four runs and the bases are juice and I need a hype video. I'm going to Kelsey, right? That's the time. It's the same sort of thing. If you're in that situation and you can't let those runs score, you're going to your closer in the most high leverage situation. So they now have been busting that out. Uh, congrats to Jason Kelsey on a fantastic fucking career. More importantly, congrats to him and his podcast. I mean, jeez. Uh, the Kelsey brothers continue to absolutely slaughter it. All right. Um, I mentioned this last night. Blake Snell 
still on the market. And we've been talking about Snell for a while now. I've made a couple of videos even about him saying the San Francisco Giants need to take action and go sign the 2023 Cy Young Award winner. So in the midst of all of this, ironically, I get a message on Instagram yesterday from Blake fucking Snell. Really cool. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of our communication. I just, I don't think it's necessary. But I had very pleasant, cool communication back and forth with Blake. We are going to be following his journey. And I really, really like where he's coming from. I do, just in life. I feel like the guy gets it. And because of that, I'm going to be rooting for him. Now, can I convince him to sign with the Giants or any other team? Nah, I mean, this guy's going to go where he wants. And I will say that from limited communication going back and forth through an IG messenger, this guy's, I, I think he'd be happy on the West Coast. I think he'd be happy in New York. Uh, I don't think that he's chasing the limelight, though. I think he's going to do what's best for him. And he obviously is a winner. And he's going to want to go somewhere that he feels like is going to give him the best chance to win. So when the Angels keep coming up, and I've heard their name over and over, that question becomes, is that the place to go? I look with the Astros and the Rangers and the AL West. I I don't believe it. So we'll see. I'd love to see the Giants continue to pursue. I, if they pull that off, I do think that they can compete. I really do. I, they need a frontline starter, though. They got to have it. You got to have Webb and somebody else. You got Webb and a bunch of fucking question marks. But if you have Webb and Blake Snell and Robbie Ray, wait, hold on a second, right? Now, you know, all of a sudden, you get the flamethrower Jordan Hicks into the mix, and he's throwing the ball well. We're on to something now. But it's going to take them making a big splash. And the longer Snell waits, price is dropping. It just is. But and look, I'm sure Snell has his number. The teams have their numbers. And they're off. I got to believe he's got to be around Yamamoto. Like, why wouldn't he be? And that might be the frustration is that he might not be seeing the numbers that Yamamoto got. And if that's the case, I don't blame him for fucking holding out. I'd probably do the same thing too. I'm an established big leader, 31 years old. Like, you got to believe he could stay through his prime at least for another five, six years. And you're a pitcher. Uh, he's a guy that's showing a commitment to his craft. I'm all in on him. I, I would have given him more money than Yamamoto. I would have. 1,000%. A proven commodity. Coming off the best year of his career, 100%. So uh, Blake Snell will keep monitoring that situation. All right, lastly here, and I got to go. NFL playoff power rankings. 
Here are the eight teams left and their Super Bowl odds. 14 teams entered the NFL postseason last week. Six were eliminated in the wildcard round. Now the divisional round bracket is set. The latest odds are out for the Super Bowl 58 champion following a first round that was full of surprises. Unsurprisingly, the two teams that hold the number one seed in their respective conferences, the 49ers and the Ravens, lead the way. However, the remaining six teams have some slight variance in how they stack up relative to their seeding. Here's where all eight teams rank based on their Super Bowl 58 odds as of Tuesday morning. Number eight, the Houston Texans, plus 3,000. What the fuck? No way. I'm taking that plus 3,000. That's the best bet on the board. C.J. Stroud is legit. He could get hot and make a run. This is 30 to 1 odds. And there's only eight teams left. Taking down one of the league's top defenses in a commanding 45 to 14 win. I mean, that's the other thing you need to remember. They just went against the best defense in football. And they dismantled them. 45 to fucking 14. Plus 3,000. I'm all in on the Texas, man. CJ Stroud, ride that thing to the bank. Seriously, we literally could be sitting here going, holy shit, I can't believe the Texans won the Super Bowl. It's possible. 31 odds with only eight teams left. They're trying to tell me it's not possible. I disagree. Okay, number six, the Tampa Bay Bucks plus 2,800. I'll tell you right now, the Bucks aren't winning the fucking Super Bowl. They're the ones that should be 31. They're 28 to 1. Since the Bucs seek in the playoffs week 18 win that gave them the division title in the NFL's weakest conference, the NFC South. Nonetheless, they took care of business against the Eagles at home in the wild card round and have better odds because of it. I, I'm just I, I guess the only reason an argument you can make for that is that they're playing the Lions. And they're thinking that the Bucs theoretically could take down the Lions. I think the Lions, last I checked, were six-point favorites. All right. Uh, Green Bay Packers are also at plus 2,800. They got to go to San Francisco. Actually, Santa Clara. But good luck with that. Plus 2,800. I'd put them at you ain't winning the fucking Super Bowl either. Uh, Jordan Love, like them. Great job. Beat the Cowboys. And Niners, different story. Whole different story, whole different defense. Number five here, the Detroit Lions are at plus 900. Ugh. If the Lions had home field advantage, I say, yeah, they got a shot. Goff ain't going into San Francisco and beating them. This is not. It's not happening. But plus 900, if small miracle does happen, yeah, maybe. Don't love those odds at all. The Lions recorded their first playoff win since 1992. And let's just salute them for that. Number four, Kansas City Chiefs, plus 700. I like the Chiefs at plus 700. Those odds aren't bad. You got to go to Buffalo, though. You got to take down Buffalo. And then you got to go to Baltimore. Uh, that's, I just think it's too much. It is. I mean, you, you play that freezing-ass cold game in Kansas City against the Dolphins. You're, if you go to Buffalo and you take care of business, which they could, I mean, they're only three-point underdogs, then you have to pull it off again and beat the Ravens 
at their place. And then most likely you got to square off with the 49ers in the Super Bowl in Vegas. I just, I don't see it happen. So at plus 700, not a great bet there. The Buffalo Bills at plus 500. Huh. I, I like this. I think the Bills do get by the Chiefs. The Bills then would have to go to Baltimore and take care of the Ravens. That's a really good fucking football team. And then even if they win that, they got to go to Vegas and take down the 49ers. I like it. I don't love it. I It's... I, what I may love is is right in front of me. And it's scary to say, but it's the Ravens. Plus 275. Baltimore clinched the number one seed in the AFC, earned a bye with their 13-4 regular season record. They're favorites to win the conference at plus 120. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We shall see. I mean, the, the, the big thing for Houston is I, I think they could pull off the miracle. The miracle in Baltimore. And then if they do that, it could be the best thing for the Buffalo Bills. Houston goes into Baltimore, takes down the Ravens. Buffalo takes care of business against Kansas City. Now we're talking. Now the Bills are rolling. Now we're talking fucking Super Bowl. And then the number one team with the shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. Your San Francisco 49ers. Plus... 175. They have home court advantage all the way throughout. You're talking about taking down a Packers team that they should kick the shit out of. And then most likely they will see uh, Detroit in the. Yeah. Most likely they'll see Detroit in the NFC championship game. Uh, well, I mean, what are they going to be? 10 point favorites, eight and a half at least or 10 point favorites against the Packers. Like Niners are going to the fucking Super Bowl unless they shit all over themselves. They can figure out, they got to figure out a way to really, really fuck this thing up, but they will be in Vegas if they play to their, capabilities and then when they get there i don't see any scenario in which they're going to be underdogs even if they played the Ravian ravens i gotta believe that game would be a pick them maybe the niners minus one or two if they played the bills it'd probably be the niners like minus three and a half so that is your favorites to win the super bowl the only question is look if the bills go i'm going for sure but if the Niners go, oh, I feel like I got to be there. I mean, what a, and if the Niners or Bills go, I 1,000% will be there. But that will end up being an expensive weekend in Vegas. You know what? Fuck that. I'll make one good run on the craps table, pay for the entire vacay. All right. Everyone have a fantastic day. A little James Allen. I'm going to watch Peanut Ski Race. Let's uh, turn to random page 29 here. It says, nature helps every man to the gratification of the thoughts which he most encourages. And opportunities are presented 
which will most speedily bring to the surface both the good and evil thoughts. Let a man cease from his sinful thoughts, and all the world will soften toward him and be ready to help him. Let him put away his weakly and sickly thoughts, and lo, opportunities will spring up on every hand to aid his strong resolves. Let him encourage good thoughts, and no hard fate shall bind him down to wretchedness and shame. The world is your kaleidoscope, and the varying combinations of colors, which at every succeeding moment it presents to you, are the exquisite <laughs> are the exquisitely adjusted pictures of your ever moving thoughts i can't believe i keep opening the same page i mean i can open it any page it's like the third time i've read it out of the past five daily hustles uh good morning to everybody by the way and we've got snow here in Truckee. let's see i think it says like 33 degrees outside right now definitely snow flurries if you're watching on no filter network we're live we're interactive good morning john davis good morning gene out there in minnesota and john collierville tennessee uh let's see what john says a few inches shut them down in collierville they got six and it's around 10 degrees good for you john I kind of enjoy it, right? It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, the South got hammered. Will's internet sucked last night. We were able to salvage the show, though. All right, everyone have a fantastic day. Back on the Daily Hustle tomorrow. If you're listening to Apple, Spotify, please leave a review. Greatly appreciate it. Hit five stars if you're feeling generous. That's it. See ya!